0: Welcome to the KMOX Home Improvement Show. Presented by Suburban Leisure
1: Center. The place with the big red chair.
2: Now, Scott
1: Mosby on the voice of St. Louis KMOX.
3: All right back together lunchtime top of the hour middle of the day middle of the dial middle of the country this is Camwex my name is Scott Mosby we have one more hour till we go up to 1 p.m. your retirement professionals follows this up 2 p.m. business of family business later on tonight billiken basketball here on CamWax. I miss Billiken basketball. Glad it's back here. Uh, So 314-436-7900 puts us together on that phone line. 314-436-7900. So we can talk about whatever you'd like to talk about around your home. We've had two hours get us started today. And we are clipping out right at freezing temperatures. So, you know, it's a chilly day. going to be a little warmer, about 43 tomorrow. So just keep in mind... Um, you know, this is what we prepare for. This is why we want our homes to be insulated, why we wish our windows and door uh, weather stripping systems work effectively so that when we close the door, it keeps the drafty cold weather out in the summertime. It keeps the drafty moist and hot air come blowing through our windows and doors and all that. Uh, Keep in mind, as we get into this time of the season, I want you to remember condensation water droplets and water around your windows on the glass of your windows and doors and especially how it might build up on your window frames or your window sills as well because that water uh, the better insulated your window coverings are your drapes your blinds uh, insulated screens whatever you put over that glass that separates the cold temperature and the warm temperature. So if you think about this, um, it prevents any warm air from touching your cold glass, which means you will have more water droplets on your glass because your window glass will remain colder than it would than if you open your blinds, open your drapes, and let that air wash as we design new houses room additions heating and cooling where those registers go if you notice those registers are either right underneath a window very close to a door or even if you have supply registers on the inside walls of your house generally they're blowing straight across that room at a window and that's called washing the windows we're trying to put warm temperatures on that cold glass to minimize the cold water droplets forming from condensing from vapor just moisture hanging in the air to water droplets so the better insulated your window coverings are the better insulated your window coverings are or closed the more water droplet buildup you will have on the glass and thus down on your windowsill not necessarily a sign of your windows being bad So if you have insulated glass, it doubles it. So if you go from a single pane glass, which most of you have insulated glass by now, single pane glass had an R value of less than one. Um, And so when you get insulated glass, insulated glass is an R value of somewhere around two, two plus something, depending upon the coatings and how thick and all the bells and whistles you get with them. So you're doubling your insulation value but you're still only an r2 very low rate well anyway i'm gonna i'll get into the u ratings here a little bit and if i really want to bore you just keep in mind that the more we cover up and close our window drapes and blinds the more water moisture you will inherently have on the inside of those window surfaces and thus your windowsill. Scott Mosby Home Improvement. Uh, I've been here for about 24 years, just constantly. No, no, I only come in on Saturdays. Uh, Typically a two-hour show from 11 to 1. Now I'm on from 10 to 1. Love the third hour. I like talking to people, and uh, this is one of my outreach things. Makes me feel good. I enjoy helping people and This is how I make the world a little better than I found it. Uh, We can do that and exchange information 314 436 7900 436 7900. Uh, I have a lot of people that I work with at Mosby Building Arts, my day job. They keep me pretty sharp and they keep me up to date. Uh, Let's get right to it and let's talk with uh, how about Joe? Hey, Joe, Scott Mosby, good afternoon. Welcome to lunchtime on KMOX. How can I help you, Mm -hmm. friend?
4: Yeah. Good afternoon, Scott. That was an interesting piece of information you passed about uh, over-insulating the windows with drapery. Yeah.
3: i generally going yeah, to
4: do that, but right now I was planning on putting drapes up, but I guess I'm going to hold off and take your well, advice.
3: Uh, it's, you can insulate it and and your house will be warmer during cold temperatures, but in doing that, the Byproduct is you're going to have more moisture, water droplets on your windows, so it's okay. It, yeah. My point is, is it's yeah. a choice.
4: I've, yeah, I've experienced that in the past, but that's not the reason for my call. Right now, um, I'm planning on having uh, a contractor come in and do some retaping of my ceiling and mudding. Uh, is this a bad time to do that type of work? Or uh, I understand that uh, we'll have to set up some heaters in the garage in order to help um, cure the, uh, the mud work. Uh, I'm debating whether to do it now or wait till the springtime.
3: Um. Actually, you're still in pretty good stead here, Joe. Uh, number one, when you drive your car home and you put it inside the garage, you've got that big engine block. So you have one or two cars that that are trying to keep your garage pretty warm. So you have kind of a built-in heater um and keep a lot of the these afternoons i mean we're in a a chilly time now but golly we aren't even to thanksgiving we're going to have some 70 degree days i think you're going to find that you know having your garage taped and patched and and painted uh and I, i i love a painted garage i mean luxury to me is going down to the basement and having a nice experience you know it doesn't have to be finished but doesn't have to be sure. very dark, wet, and smell, you know, so I'm the same way with the garage. Yeah. I like a nice garage. So no, no yeah. trouble. You just, uh, if they have a temperature dropping, they'll bring in a heater, um, and it's not a big deal. I, I wouldn't worry about it. Now, if we're in the middle of maybe January and February, I might have a different answer for you.
4: Not all of the tape is separating from the ceiling. Would it be advisable to replace all that old tape and start new?
3: Yep, pretty much. So what what happens in garages um is you bring a car in on in a snowstorm and it's got 4 inches of snow on it. So you have this super wet garage interior, and then the temperature warms up a little bit, or the sun comes out next day, and you just have a wet garage. So the humidity in your garage is really high. Then the temperature goes up. Over time, you can just boil that tape right off of your garage drywall. So it's just a maintenance issue. You and I get wrinkles. Garage drops its tape. So there you go. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
4: Well, I appreciate the information. As usual, you've got some good expertise here. Thank you.
3: All right, Joe. Uh, and keep in mind, if once you get it taped out to whatever finish you want, if you paint it with a good latex paint, you slow down how much that garage moisture gets into that tape and mud. So you, there's an how added long? value to painting. You're protecting that taping.
4: Got it. How long should, we, should I wait before painting after the tape and uh, remudding?
3: Uh, almost nothing because, you know, a day or two because you're using waterborne cement for the drywall mud and then waterborne right. latex primer and paint. So they, you know, they stick together pretty well. Uh, it's not a big deal. Is Anybody that if you wait a day or two, you are you're ready to paint.
4: I've got portions of the garage walls that are exterior to the basic home. Should I consider putting up sheet lock in those areas as well, or just go with what the contractor put up?
3: Um, I like to I like to drywall it mostly because then I can insulate the walls. So drywalling those walls, you know, might be $1,000. If you insulate and drywall them, it might be $1,500. You know, I mean, I'm just pulling numbers out of the air. So where the yeah, lasting yeah. value from that hot engine block coming home you now have a heated and insulated garage at no additional cost other than insulating, which, you know, I don't know, sitting my bum down on one of those cold seats when it's 12 degrees outside in a garage, that's yeah. That's a, right. yeah, a come-to-Jesus moment, you know? <laughs> <laughs> okay,
4: well, listen, happy holidays to you, Scott. Thank you. Thanks,
3: Joe. Thanks for being part of the family. Take care. Right. Home Improvement, right. Scott Mosby, KMOX, uh regular listener, longtime caller. Joe, always welcome here on uh, uh Brings good questions. I don't know how he brings so many good questions all the time, but, boy, howdy, he's, he he brings his A game every time. Uh, 314-436-7900, 314-436-7900. Scott Mosby, at your service. I'm going to take a pause and come right back for more after this. <laughs> Here we go, watch this Hey, check out my moonwalk Here, Watch, Here, look. watch this Heel-toe, heel-toe, heel-toe <laughs> Yeah Radio, yeah My producer just, uh reminded me this is radio and not, you know, a video-type production here. So, Ethan, thanks for letting me know. Scott Mosby here at your service, KMOX. We are live and lively, as Mike Miller might say. Uh, And Let's get started and see what's happening with my friend Gail. Hey, Gail, good afternoon. Welcome to Lunchtime on KMOX. How can I help? Thanks for taking
1: my call. Hey, about two months ago in mid-September, I got new concrete steps. So now I'm wondering, what is... For me to use for an ice melt on those steps this winter?
3: Uh nothing until you seal it. Hmm. Okay. Hmm. Yeah, so think about this. So you've got dry skin and it's ready to absorb anything that you put on it. So that's kind of what new concrete is. Is it is dry, it's open pores, there's no real dirt or dust or anything on it. So the best thing to do is to put a good quality sealer on. It's a little late for that, but my point is, is whatever you put on it now, whether it's a bird dropping, an oak leaf that sits there wet in the corner for three or four days, all that stuff is going to soak into that concrete, stained, good, bad, or ugly. So that's why about now or later, um, you know, you, um, you, you put a sealer on it, you clean the concrete, put a sealer on it, and then whatever you put on top, whether it's snow melt or uh, stain or you, you know, drop a glass or spill a few drips of wine, you know, that stuff stains the concrete, but you get a little soap and water, it comes off pretty easily. So that's, what, that's the choice.
1: Okay, what I did was I waited 30 days, and mm-hmm. then I painted it with some porch and floor paint.
3: Okay, yeah, okay.
1: So right. could I use... The, like ice melt on top of that now or is it still too soon? Most of the products say wait a year. So it's like, no, well, what am I supposed to do?
3: <laughs> well, with your paint, you've already sealed it with that product.
1: Okay. So does that yeah. mean it's safe to use uh, yep. ice melt or yes. Yes, ma'am.
3: calcium I'm sorry. chloride or whatever? Uh, yes. Yes. Uh, I like the calcium chloride a little bit better. Uh, it's a pricier material. Um, but I, it, it works deeper temperatures. I just don't, as a rule, I don't like anybody putting rock salt on concrete because, you know, if I say you can do it under this or not under that, you know, then it's like, well, Scott said I can use rock salts. Don't just, so I'd prefer the better products you choose. Your calcium chloride would be your better choice. It's going to run you $15 a bag instead of, you know, 7
1: mm-hmm. Today okay. it might be
3: okay. 22 instead of 15 I don't know. The world's upside down now.
1: Okay, yeah, because I'm worried about, like, you know, for visitors and especially, like, our letter carriers, because I can just be in, you know.
3: Oh, God bless you for the letter carriers. They have to go rain or shine, so thank you. They will all thank you as well.
1: Okay. All right. Well, thanks, Scott. I appreciate that.
3: Yes, ma'am, Gail. Good luck. Take care, and way to go on that new steps. That's pretty All right, thanks. Bye-bye. Bye. And, and, you know, like, Gail, getting new concrete steps. That's a commitment. I mean, not only do you have to, you know, find somebody and then you pay for it, but, you know, it takes a long time to arrange and talk it over with a contractor and then work into their schedule. So, I mean, you know, a few years ago, there was um, there were more people to work than there were jobs to do. Now we've got more jobs to do than we have people to work. So getting new, con- you know, any achieving any kind of a home improvement or home repair, you know, that that's like... High five, high ten, you know, like, whew, yeah, I got somebody to come and I got it done. So anyway, interesting. Uh, I just attended uh, a um, a peer group, a uh, group we've been part of at Mosby Building Arts for 22 years uh, back in 1990, early 90, yeah, maybe it's 24 years now, about 1998. And we were a best practices group. It's remodeling companies from all over the United States. We get together, compare how we do things, uh, job descriptions, what products. We talk about things like this. And ice melt and how it affects and, you know, what to tell our customers is the right thing to do. So we debate building science. We debate uh, paint types. We debate uh, all sorts of things, whether it's better to subcontract your work or self-perform it with your own employees, all that. Anyway, the long and the short of it is that uh, uh, much of that shared now was around the awareness that our demographic, we just don't have enough people. For all the things, with all the ecological things we have um, of having so many people on the Earth, basically it may be that the Earth is going to start getting fewer and fewer people. Now, granted, we have a whole lot more people in some places than others, but in the United States, this whole employment thing is not going to get better for another 10 years. It'll, It'll improve gradually over slow time, but we just don't, you know... Kids are kids, and younger families are just not having the same number of children that we had when you and I were growing up. So, anyway, enough of that. Let's see what else is going on here. Let's talk to my buddy Ron. Hey, Ron Scott Mosby. Good afternoon. Welcome to KMX, my friend. How can I help?
5: Hey, good afternoon to you. Thanks for taking my call. My yeah. my question concerns the double uh, glass sliding patio doors. About thirty years ago, we extended the roof on our home, and covered our concrete patio. And around the patio, we installed the double glass sliding patio doors, Mm -hmm. and I ordered all of them with single-pane glass. The lumberyard mistakenly delivered all of the sliding glass patio doors with double-pane glass, but said, we're not going to come and get them. We're just going to charge you the same price that we agreed on for the single-pane. I thought I had gotten a good deal. Okay, yeah. they weren't the they weren't the Anderson windows like we have one of which enters our home, but they were you know a an, an off-brand company, I guess we'd say. So mm-hmm. over the years, we've gotten moisture between the glass several times on several windows. Now we have it on a lot of the windows. So I was wondering about two things: the possibility of someone taking out the double pane glass, putting in a new single pane, or somebody told me. You ought to just trim off one of those little layers of glass and you only have one left. Do either of those things sound feasible?
3: Uh, replacing the glass is the feasible one. You will find that because of the way your pad. First off, the only downside to insulated glass is the weight of it on moving sliding patio doors. That's the only thing. Everything else is an upside. That glass is tempered glass. So, just like your windshield or a car window, when it breaks, it breaks into a thousand little pebbles. You know, car glass is safety glass. It's not, but my point being that that is a special safety glass, or probably is back when. You can have that panel, that glass insulated, double pane, two piece of glass taken out and replaced with a new piece it will cost you more to get a single piece of glass because the door frame was not built for that thin panel
5: i see <laughs>
3: so going okay. first off i first off i wouldn't even advise it insulated glass is just the standard you know that just it's hard to get anything else now and uh, keep in mind, now you've got three-quarter-inch thick insulated glass, five-eighths, half-inch, five-nine-six, you know, so you need a pro to mm-hmm. do this to know how thick they're buying and the sizes and all that. So, but you'd be surprised, yeah, I'd go ahead and get those glass panels replaced if you like what's there.
5: I see, yeah. So there's seven windows, which means there's 14 things. So that it, gets yeah. pretty pricey. Over the long haul. And, yeah, we've had a company in Belleville that's done replacing. I know that I can get them replaced. I just thought that maybe putting in a single pane would be more economical, but obviously it's not.
3: (laughs) Yeah, good theory, but changing the system is more costly than changing the unit, the glass unit.
5: Might be just as economical to buy all new doors with the glass already in them.
3: Well, it's... it it may be true. I mean, it may not, it won't be less costly, but you've got rollers and gaskets and hinges and all sorts of things on those windows and doors that when you replace it, you get all kinds of magical stuff. So um, yeah, I, I would look into it at this time just because the cost of replacing that glass is effectively a discount on replacing the windows. But, you know, you're in, undoubtedly going to spend more for new windows than you will for just glass.
5: Okay, well, I guess the uh, the quality of the new windows with the double pane is probably better than some of the quality was years ago when it was newer, and now it's more
3: prevalent. Yeah, that, that's true, and you'll get, I mean, even insulate, insulated glass has a life, and generally, if it's out in the sun and the elements, you know, like a patio enclosure would be, you know, you're 20, 25 years on that insulated glass, so you got your full life out of that glass. And and even, I, I, I would have advised insulated glass 20 years ago, because if it makes sense to separate the weather from you and outdoors, then an insulated piece of anything is part of that transaction. Okay, well, that's
5: why I called to get your opinion on it. I appreciate it very much, and I thank you a lot.
3: Okay, take care. Thanks, Ron. By now. Home improvements, Scott Mosby. Sometimes I give advice, and it's up to you. And and again, it's one of those things that uh, people sometimes say, uh, "Well, I don't want to explore new windows um, uh, because I may not want to." Do... Well, exploring, asking a question, and getting an answer is pretty much free. Um, and even if it's you know if it's a thousand dollars, five hundred dollars, two hundred dollars. You're still the consumer making the last decision of whether you want to do this or whether you don't want to do this. So looking into something is what I call due diligence. You know, is this I know what I'm trying to do, at least I think I do. Uh, and then I need to find somebody that can help me think through this, so I get somebody to come over and look at it. They work with me, and I'll uh, no, maybe that's not what I want. Maybe I do want, you know, insulated glass to be replaced, because I, you know, I don't really want new windows or doors. But anyway, you find out those price ranges, and a really good pro who will come to your house can tell you, That, you know, I can tell you the price of replacing just the glass, if that's their straight business. And then they can generally say, you know, and if you were going to replace the windows, it would probably be twice as much or two and a half times as much, which, you know, you then can make a consumer decision. Eh, I think I'll just change the glass. I'll leave it at that. Everything else is working pretty good. Or... You know, those hinges are all wearing out. All that weather stripping keeps falling out around the windows. Maybe I really do want new windows because, you know, I'm just going to, I don't want to buy a new car at the auto parts store, buying everything by piece, by piece, by piece. You know, a $30,000 car at the auto parts store will cost you $50,000 because you're buying every little piece instead of a whole unit. So anyway, it's uh, my point being, explore what those options might be um, e- even uh, and, and finding somebody that can walk you through that advice is is good good advice anyway. Uh, I'm going to take a short pause and come back for more. I'm looking for just a few more callers here. I'm a little, little bit uh, lonely here in Studio B. 314-436-7900. 314-436-7900. Scott Mosby, Home Improvement. I shall return after this business on Game KMOX.
1: This is the KMOX
3: Home Improvement
1: Show, presented by Suburban Leisure Center, the place with the big red chair. Now, Scott Mosby, on the voice of St. Louis KMOX.
3: All right, Home Improvement, Scott Mosby, KMOX, 314-436-7900, 314-436-7900. all of you in the KMOX listening family. You know that by heart. Of course you do. Uh, We are talking about all things around the house. We are in the third hour, uh, wrapping up our last half hour of the show, going up to your retirement professionals at 1 o'clock. 2 p.m. brings the business of family business. 540 the 7 this, this evening billiken basketball right here on camwex uh we've had a really interesting group of questions thank you so much i love these well thought out questions that uh really challenge uh how i report um, I, I will add in just a little bit here uh lumber futures uh have been as high in in july 15th i have noted here 682 per 1000 board feet or a 68 cents Per one by one by one, one foot by one foot by one inch thick piece of lumber. Now we're down to 485, so we're down, getting close. We're still higher than we were pre pandemic. Pre pandemic, we were 385, something like that, 38 and a half cents. Anyway, all those words are a way to say that the commodity prices of building materials are coming down as. Um, Supply increases for um, health reasons and all that international stuff, uh, logistics and ports and trucking and all that, but also there's less demand because the Federal Reserve Bank is trying to slow down of our our economy and the price increase, uh, these rapid price increases of all of us, you know, trying to. You know, spend more time in our homes. So anyway, that's uh, one issue. Uh, I will say, as on one caller last week, asked me, well, why is the lumber in the lumber yard so grotesquely expensive still now? You're telling me the futures are affordable, and I'm looking at lumber, and it's just not yet affordable. Well, that's the truth, because the lumber that is in the home centers, the lumber, and the electrical wire, you know, the wiring, the materials, the electrical boxes, the lumber, the roof shingles, all that stuff was purchased six months or eight months ago for delivery four months ago. So the stuff that you and I have access to when we go to the store and buy it, it's still purchased and made, manufactured with all those very expensive uh, materials, uh, commodities, and labor price shortages and all that stuff. So, you know, we are trending down, but uh, the long and the short of it is don't expect it to get too much better because we inherently have a shortage of housing in the United States. Uh, For the last 20 years, National Association of Home Builders has reported that we need 1.6 million new units to replace the houses that are just falling out, falling apart. You know, they're just at the end of their lifespan. And then the added, so replacement of existing homes. And then you get the uh, new families starting because we have the demographics, all those kids that we weren't having, well, now they're starting to have their kids. Um, And so housing demand is higher. And during those years when we were needed at 1.6 per year, We were only building 900,000. So we have been eight or 700,000 housing units short year after year after year after year. So that's kind of the deal and why you're seeing so much uh, discussed about technology ways to build inexpensive homes, yada, yada, et cetera, et cetera. Let's go to the phone lines here and talk to my buddy Terry and see what's happening. Terry, thanks for your patience. Scott Mosby, how can I help?
2: Yep. Hi.
3: Hi.
2: Hi, this is Terry Patterson.
3: Oh, hey, Terry, How can I help you?
2: Yeah, well, I'm actually born and raised in Woodruff, Illinois. I've been living in Fairfax, Virginia for the last 30 years. I'm in town this weekend visiting my mom, and she always has your station on. And I was listening to it, and I have a question, so I thought I'd call in. Yeah, welcome um, aboard, and thanks
3: for coming to see us from Fairfax. Great town, great place.
2: Yeah, it, it is a great town. So hey, nice you know all about home.
3: John Singleton Mosby, the Gray Ghost of the Confederacy, huh?
2: That's right.
3: <laughs> okay, well,
1: so
2: we'll stick. it's great to come home. But I, my question is, I my brother in law did a uh, his redid his garage. He has this beautiful floor. It's uh-huh. that kind of like a soft flooring in your garage. It's like it's dark gray with some speckles of white and black in it. Yeah, and it, you know you lay it. It's not really paint, and I would want to do it to my garage, but I was looking getting some quotes out in Fairfax, and it's super expensive. And so, I was wondering how how hard is that for someone like myself to do my to do by myself?
3: Uh, well, of of a hundred percent of that job, most of the work is in preparing the surface, and that's where the pros have it on you. As far as applying the paint. And broadcasting or sprinkling the speckles around and applying the paint again, putting the paint on the surface is an easy part. But if they're at your home for, say, two days to do a garage floor or maybe even in one long day, 80% of the work is in sandblasting the floor, filling the uh, the pox, um, getting ready to caulk the joints taping and preparing so most of the work is, 80% of the work is hard and best done by professionals
5: and oh, you okay. can't go
3: you can go to a hardware store you can go to a paint supply and they'll say yep 100 bucks here's everything you need well that only covers the easy 20% of put paint on the floor Gotcha. The, okay the 80% so is what somebody, makes it. it sounds like yeah and it is pricey because it's it's an epoxy material it's high it's expensive high quality material but it's also high skill it, you start playing around with performance coatings you need to know what you're doing
2: Oh I'm so glad I called and asked I question cuz I was going to take it on myself but I um it sounds like I shouldn't do that so thank you for that advice
3: Yeah, well, thanks for calling, Terry, because a lot of people call this show and say, I painted my basement floor, I painted my front porch, I painted my whatever a few years ago, and because of that lack of surface prep and just not knowing, you know, now they're in a real big problem. So the the only thing worse than the ugly garage floor you have now is putting the paint on, and two years later, half of it comes off, and now you still have to call the guys back again. (laughs)
2: <laughs> exactly yeah i I'm looking for something that looks plus it is so pretty. his garage floor looks so nice, so
3: oh, yeah. all right, well,
2: thank you so much. I appreciate your time
3: all right, Terry thanks welcome to St Louis thank you bye-bye right. bye now there we go i I love it um i've had uh I've had people that I know from all over the country that as they pass through the midwest, they happen to listen on say uh on Saturday mornings. Uh, They'll say, you know, I caught your show, it's like, well, what are you doing listening to my show? Did you go, no, no, I was driving through St. Louis on my way to Kentucky or Indiana, whatever it is, and came through St. Louis, and I was listening to, you know, KMOX, apparently, and there you were, all of a sudden, this voice I knew. So, anyway, fine, kind of fun that way. Okay, let's go see what's happening with my friend Jim. Hey, Jim, Scott Mosby, how can I help you today?
0: Hey, good afternoon, Scott. Um, yes, I've got a walkout basement and on the back of the house, there's an elevated deck and next spring we're putting an entertainment space under that deck and we okay. want something nicer than that exposed concrete foundation. Is it advisable or even possible to put like a hardy fiber cement product on that foundation wall to cover it up?
3: Oh yeah. Or, or almost anything else. Uh, That concrete foundation
0: wall I didn't know how they would affix that siding to the concrete.
3: Uh, Effectively, what we do is put furring strips or nailers. Uh, Sometimes years ago, it used to be one by three boards that we would glue and then screw or shoot to the foundation, which holds it out three quarters of an inch. You know, and then we'd put probably styrofoam in between there just because we could, and then you go ahead and, and, and install that siding over it. The other thing you can do is ceramic tile, uh, an applied brick, which is applied with a ceramic tile type material, so that wall surface can, or it can be direct applied plaster too, You a real sand and cement plaster. Uh, there are a lot of things you can do to a bare concrete wall to make it attractive and uh, um, and receptive to making it a nicer place than it is now yeah
0: the part of the the area has a jut out for the um to support the fireplace okay. and we we're going to put a stone product on that but we didn't want the stone on the on the whole wall it's quite a large area so yeah. we we're kind of thinking of the siding so i didn't know you could do it and, uh, glad i called and asked you
3: well hang on a minute here because i'm going to challenge your stone on the fireplace Unless you put a faux or pretend firebox on it, having stone come down, unless it matches what's above on the upper stories, you know, having a three-sided bump stone, you're going to magnify the power of that not particularly useful bump. So unless you give it a purpose from a design standpoint, which, you know, could be like the old gas fireplaces that used to be in Soulard and Lafayette, they were only eight inches deep and they had a nice mantle, but they didn't even work, you know, just to make the house, the wall look better. So if you're going to do that, then I would encourage you to consider putting in a faux firebox. You know what I mean?
0: Yeah, I do. Yeah, that's, it would be a nice feature for under the deck also.
3: Yeah, who cares whether it lights. Fireplaces don't run whatever they're made out of, you know, 98% of the time anyway. They just look pretty the other 98%. Right. Okay, good idea. I appreciate that. Right on. Okay. Have a nice holiday. All right, right, Jim. You too, brother. Take care. Scott Mosby, take a short break. I'll be right back for more after this on University of CamoX
1: this is the kmox home improvement show presented by suburban leisure center
4: the place with the big red
1: chair now scott mosby on the voice of st louis kmox
3: And I enjoyed, all right, Scott Mosby here. I enjoyed uh, talking to Jim about siding application on his foundation wall, stone on the fireplace. And keep in mind that uh, uh, just because you can, uh, keep in mind, make a decision about whether you want that to happen. Uh, Because a fireplace, uh, Jim was saying, I want to put siding on the walls, make it look better. We're going to finish up the nice uh, part underneath that deck. Uh, on the walkout basement and those are really nice. That's effectively a room addition. Uh tends to be a little cooler on hot days because you're down on the basement level, you're down on the ground level. Um it can be warmer because it's also humid. You block the the wind, but inherently in temperatures it's usually 2-3 degrees cooler than uh, a story higher on that up on the deck above. So anyway, I was advising that Jim consider justifying the use of a stone he was going to put stone on the three wall fireplace bump out fireplace on on the foundation part which is a good idea but if it's just stone you're going to take a non-functional non uh, primarily attractive feature and magnify it so you're going to make this literally bump on the house more noticeable more prominent and it'll be the first thing people see when they come in well, if there's no reason for it to be there, don't draw attention to it. So, ladies, you doing cosmetics over the years, you can't imagine how many good decisions you make just from learning how to do cosmetics. You learn to color match. You you learn the various shades of skin and how the shade of that skin changes over time. Same with paint, brick, siding, roofing, all those things on a house. Color match is inherent there. But likewise, if you've got a mole right in the middle of your cheek and you don't like it, you don't make it red. You try and neutralize it out with a hiding color. So things that you don't want to accentuate, you have reasons, training, and tools, you know, cosmetics, you can hide it. So likewise, if you give it a reason... For example, on that bumped out stone, if you give it a faux fireplace, then it looks like that place has a fireplace and that stone now makes sense and it adds to the, uh, you know, the whole feel of that lower level. So anyway, just be aware. These are things that we've learned so many times uh, uh, during our time uh, as designers as well. Uh, Let's see what's happening with my buddy with Dale. Hey, Dale, Scott Mosby. Good afternoon. How can I help you, sir? Scott, nice
6: talking with you, and appreciate your show. Overhead
3: garage door uh, hinges,
6: I use a product called Brake Clean, and I'm sure there's other products, and you can spray that on that hinge, and it takes away all that old WD-40 residue, and it doesn't take long. It doesn't cost much, and when you get done with it, wait 10 minutes, and come back and put your WD-40 back on there so next year you can do the same doggone thing.
3: Oh, my gosh. Dale, that's the best product. I know that product. That is a brilliant application of it. Wow. Yep.
6: There you go. And uh, let's all have a cocktail. It's a nice snowy day. Thank you.
3: (laughs) Okay, Dale, you're on, brother. I'll be right there. (laughs) Bye-bye. Thank you. Good for the So brake clean is an auto body or an auto repair. So it's something that you buy at the in the auto place of a hardware store. And it's a spray solvent. It's like a WD-40. It typically has that little plastic straw that shoots the stuff right where you want it. And it's just a great solvent for cleaning things up. Uh, so anyway, that's just a great idea from Dale. To use the brake clean, you can squirt it right inside the little ball bearings of the wheels on those doors. You can spray it right on the truck. Crack, I would advise you wipe it and don't rub it. Don't don't rub it like you're trying to you know do a you know start a fire because you will. But use a paper towel, disposable material, something like that because the gook that comes out of there is not something you want in your washing machine. So anyway, dispose those things into the trash can. Leave the trash can lid open for a while. Let that fume dissipate. But that break clean, brake clean B R A K E like brake pads on a car brake clean this is a great solvent and a handy applicator for that let's see what's happening with my buddy greg hey greg scott mosby how can i help sir
6: hey scott uh, greg with english sweep chimney service the suggestion right. on that fireplace you're going to put beautiful stone yeah. up on the uh, wall of the uh, um, behind the chimney yeah. uh, electric or even a gas direct fed fireplace uh, can give you the uh the feeling of a real fireplace, and just add comfort and and more memories there uh, instead of just being a plain stone wall.
3: Yeah, amen, brother. I'm with you there. Good idea, Greg. Thank you. Hey, uh, you're hey while I have you, I
6: appreciate you.
3: Hang on, don't don't go away. I've got about a minute. Uh, what do you advise people do with their chimneys this time of year?
6: Well, um, uh, you know, uh, open up the damper, make sure there's no leaves or things falling down, get them swept out. Get them checked. I mean, uh, because as dry as it's been, the the product, the creosote up there, is very flammable. We already had over uh, two dozen chimney fires in the area. Uh, So we highly recommend getting your system swept and checked uh, professionally. Um, Yeah. uh, And uh, somebody who's certified and has all the credentials, you know, being a master sweep in Missouri, the only master sweep, you know, we we just want everybody to have great memories this year. And uh, and that's what it's all about. Another thing, Roger. I'll just give a quick plug. Hey, we're supporting Sweep Boy Hunger this month, and we're helping, Hey, um, gotta go, Greg sorry. Scott food.
3: Mosby, Home Improvement, KMOX, back for more.